The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Well, I'm just about finished rewatching the game Temple VCU. I listened to it while I was working today and I did not enjoy it. And watching it hasn't been much better, as is often the case. 73, uh, well, 73-61 as, as I'm watching it now. Finishes 83-73. And uh, welcome to Rams Rewind. Out here in podcast land, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear and you want to help us out, uh, send us a little dinero. There's a link in the description. There's a tip jar on Podbean. We really appreciate it when you do that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for supporting this podcast and the, and the people that are on it. We really do appreciate it. We'll shout you out when you do give us a donation. Man, this game, we had all the whole, we had all the hits, especially early. Early in the game, VCU couldn't rebound, and it was costing them. Early in the game, we had bad offensive possessions where somebody would come down, there'd be one pass or maybe even no passes, a shot would go up. And, of course, it wouldn't go in. But we had the one thing, the thing that always gets me, and that is the coach waiting until it's too late to take a timeout. <laughs> and I know people are going to sit here and say, you know, they're, they're sick of hearing about stuff like this, but seriously. I'm listening to the game, and after that first uh, media timeout, Temple comes out and gets six quick points, and they're up seven. And I'm saying, I'm sitting there in the van as I'm delivering. I'm saying, take a timeout. No, he waits, and Battle hits a three, and all of a sudden they're down 11, and he takes a timeout, and it's just like, this coach has been a head coach now for quite a while, and it's his sixth year at VCU. It's his seventh or eighth year coaching in Division One. We're not even talking about all the years he coached in Division Three, and he still, and Coach Rhodes still doesn't have a good feel for when things are going wrong and call on timeout. And I don't, and I think it's that. I think it's that even more than the whole, I want them to play out of it. Because doggone it. You got to use it or lose a timeout. So when it's going wrong, don't bury yourself further and then use it. Use a dead gum timeout when they've scored six straight and you're turning the ball over three times in four possessions. Nope, and so we're pedaling uphill the rest of the half. We're trying to climb the climb up the down escalator. And to their credit, I thought VCU didn't play well in the first half at all. And I, but but they were only down four. And why were they only down four? Well, after terrible well after a terrible start to the game, they were two for their first ten shots. They end up almost fifty percent. For the, for the first half, they made 10 of their last 15 shots. 
I mean, that's something else, really. So, and, and a lot of that taste, who was absolutely magnificent in the first half. Uh, you know, he had, 12, he had all 12 of his points in the first half. And, and he had four assists to go with it. And I was a little concerned because, again, I don't want him necessarily to be the leading scorer. I want him to be the facilitator. And he did that in the second half. But they, 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 they put themselves in a hole. They fought back. Okay. They haven't played well, especially defensively. Temple's 50% from the field. But they're in this game. They're in this game. But there were things, even in that first half, that were that that would just that would keep coming around. And again, I I don't understand what the defensive coverage was. Several guys did this, but two of the worst but two of the worst defenses I saw were by bench players. One of the times that battle was left open for three, Banks is Josh Banks is just standing in the middle of the lane. And I, he doesn't look like he's guarding anybody. And I think Battles is man. And doggone, Battles wide open hits a three. Battles one of their best players. He ends up with that um, freaking, I think it's 24 points. Let me see here. What do he have? Battle at 27. And he's left open for three. And you just like, come on, seriously. So that's one time. Then David Schreiber, one of the other bench players. And again, the bench players didn't play a lot tonight, except for LaWall and Kern. And that's something else I had a problem with, and I'll get into that in a moment. But David Shriver leaves Hicks, Zach Hicks, that's his man, leaves him to stand right next to the backup center. Why? Your guess is as good as mine. If it's supposed to be a rotation, it sure didn't look like it because the other four guys didn't rotate as far as I could tell. They stayed on their man. So it gets kicked out to Hicks. Shriver's out there trying to recover back. He gets faked out of his shoes and Hicks nails a three. <laughs> I just I am I'm already I'm already wanting to pull hairs out of my head watching this. And the same thing happened in the second half. We're running and jumping and trying to trap and this and that. And we get caught chasing around the perimeter. That's another one. That's another one that's come back from several years back that I hate watching us chase the ball around the perimeter until we can't get to the open shooter and he makes it. Kiss my grits. You know, that's what happened. And and perfect example. So we've talked so they they get down eleven, they get it to four at halftime, they get the game tied up at thirty nine. And I'm like if we can just get our nose in front and and put a little bit of doubt in this other team's mind, I think we can go on and win. What happens? They go for a trap. They almost get the turnover. The problem is when they break the timeline, you've got an out number on the backside. You can't recover. Battle is open. He nails a three. And your momentum is <clears> – <throat> and that was the start of, I think, an 8-0 run. But they battle back again. You know, Watkins starts warming up in the second half. Unfortunately, he was also the offender in this next set of set of possessions I'm going to talk about. So they get this thing down to one. I think they get it down to 51-50. And they have three possessions in a row. And one of them ends with a terrible turnover 
Watkins and, and Kali, Ed Nixon said something so profound the other day. I think it was during the Kennesaw State game last week about if you don't take the shot your team expects you to take, it's like a turnover. And I watched this play out in two of these turnovers in this section. The first one, Watkins drives in, and he drives into the top of the top of the lane, and he should take the jumper because he can make that jumper, and he's going to shoot. He's, he's got a smaller guy on him. He can shoot over him. He doesn't do it. He gets a travel. And you're just like, doggone it. Then the next time down, uh, the ball goes into the post, and it's get, and, and the shot clock's starting to run down, and I think it's none. And none takes a fadeaway jumper. It's an air ball. And if I saw this once, I saw it 15 times tonight. The ball would go into po- in the post, and it'd be either Toby Lawall or none driving in there or Deloach or somebody else. And I know the player's got to learn to pass out of the post. That's absolutely true. They've got they've got to work on that. Some of them, especially the wall. So I'm not I'm not I'm not killing the wall because I had all the bench players tonight. He was one of the only ones that played well. Maybe the only one that played well. But here's if you want to encourage somebody in the post to, to kick it out or pass it off, you got to move without the basketball. Like the time the wall messed up and ended up turning it over because he freaking. Freaking airballed the shot. He threw a shot up and didn't even hit the rim. Nobody's moving. Everybody's standing there. I think it's Baldwin sort of trying to float to the corner, but he doesn't really commit to it. And when the wall starts to, to make his move and it's too late, somebody's cutting back door towards the lane. And you're just sitting there like, okay, maybe Toby's not learned to, to kick it out and pass yet like he should. But you got to give him an option. You have to move without the basketball. And if I saw that once, I saw it 15 times a night. The ball going into the post and into the paint area, and everybody would just stand there. Just stand there. Seriously, moving without the basketball, the offense, whatever form it takes here at VCU, isn't going to work if you're just going to stand there if you don't have the basketball. Golly Moses. And it happened right in this stretch when they were down one, down two, and down two. They could have t- if they could have scored on each of those possessions, they could have either tied or took the lead. And if they could have got their nose in front, the end of this game may play out differently. Instead, we get a travel because somebody doesn't take the shot they're supposed to. We get a ball into the post and somebody takes a fadeaway at the air ball and everybody's standing around so he doesn't even have anybody to pass it to. And then the third time, they get a they get a turnover. There's a break. The ball goes to Johns, and he's open to shoot a three. And he probably should take that shot, even though it's in it's it's a fast break. But he tries to get into the wall, and he's got and and the, the guys the, there's a bigger guy in front of the wall. It's Hicks, and he steals it. And they go back the other way, and I think they make a three, and it just goes from there. It just goes from there. Oh, I just I just can't with this team sometimes. I just can't with this team sometimes. And then and then, you know, they're trying to press at the end, and of course, Temple breaks it easily because they can see it coming. It's not like it's not like you're trapping them and catching them by surprise. By the way, VCU only gave up 80 plus points twice last year. One was the game against Dayton at home when they didn't have Vince Williams and they got creamed. 
And then it was the last game of the season against Wake. They gave up 80 there in that game. And Temple gets 83 tonight and just just wears us out on, on with their offense. Just wears us out. I mean, you got to hand it to them. I mean, this is a hell of a job. 50, 50% from the field. You know, 27 of 54. By the way, 17 assists on 27 made field goals. That's, that's what you're looking for. And one, two, three, four, five, six. Six different guys got assists for them tonight. That's the sort of stuff we used to do all the time. And they get to the and, – and I'll give Rhodes this. I, li, I, I wanted to make sure I wanted to listen to his postgame show. And he said a few things I agree with. We had problems, troubles with turnovers yet again. Absolutely right, 18 turnovers. And we fouled too much. We were in bad guarding position a lot of the time. Yes, some of it. Some of it was ticky-tack fouls. Ace Baldwin fouled out of this game, and they called two of the ticky-tack fouls on him. Frustrating. And we put them on the line, and they absolutely made us pay for it. They were 22 and 27 from the line. They wore us out from there. But there's, but then, then I hear the familiar words. Oh, we're fighting the game. I heard that when they were talking about when he was when they asked when Robbie and Rodney asked him about the, one of those scoring droughts, and that made that gave me a headache because I've, I've I've heard that once. We've heard it how many times from Coach Rhodes, and then he talked about us just being undisciplined, and I'm sitting there going, this these things, this is not unusual. This this is this was last year. This was three years ago. This was four years ago. And yet these things continue to happen. So at some point, it's not them. It's you, Coach Rhodes. Why does this team continue to be undisciplined? Why can't they take care of the basketball? Why in the world that when we get to crunch moments in games that are up games for us, that are big opportunities, by and large, we abandon the way that we're supposed to play and we go for hero ball. We abandon the way we're supposed to play. We watch a bunch of guys stand around on offense while one guy dribbles or one guy drags up a shot. <coughs> it is so infuriating. It is brutal because, honestly, there is no reason for it. There is no reason that when we, we, we fight our way back into this game and we've got a chance to tie or take the lead three possessions in a row, and they're three of the worst offensive possessions we ran tonight. God bless America. What are we doing? And here's another question. You know, Zeb Jackson had a big game against Kennesaw State and was pretty good the other night against Vanderbilt. He only gets six minutes. And if you're not happy because he turned the ball over, had issues defensively, fine. Banks saying he only gets seven minutes, and he's played well recently. Again, he had some questionable defensive plays, so okay, fine. David Shriver's slump continues, although I'll give him credit. He didn't take a three tonight, uh, and he's, unfortunately he was 0 for 3. But he had some terrible defensive plays. Well, if those guys aren't playing well, then go deeper into the bench and go get Bats Billups and go get Christian Fermin as an instance, as a for instance. Because I'm looking at the time, I'm looking at the clock, how much the starting five played. And again, we're supposed to wear teams down with depth and the army. And Jaden Nunn played 35 minutes. And he kind of, and after a pretty hot start to the game, kind of 
kind of was a little bit anonymous in the second half. Ace Baldwin fouls out, but he still played 37 and a half minutes. Brandon Johns fouls out and plays 29 and a half. You know, I, seriously, I don't think it's sustainable long-term for Baldwin and Nunn to play those kind of minutes. I just don't think it is. I want them fresh at the end of games. I don't want them reaching in and getting fouls or getting called for fouls, even if they're ticky-tack fouls, because they're tired. And again, we're supposed to have this great depth and a lot of these great players, and we're not using them. So if the if the first wave of doggone bench players don't play well, then go go get the next wave. Don't just don't just rely on the front starting five. Oh, I mean it's such a waste too. Jalen Deloach career high sixteen points. He only gets six boards. And that's the other thing. VCU actually rebounded the ball well in the second half because they only they only ended up losing rebounds by two. Well, I think they're out rebounded by seven in the first half, and they tie in second chance points. So that's not too bad. But man, games like this, games like the like, like Arizona State, Memphis, you got to win these games if you're going to get in that large bid. You've got to win games like this. And once again, they just they <clears throat> they gave themselves a chance and then they took themselves out of it with their own silly mistakes and playing the wrong way. And it feel and it feels like a broken it feels like a broken record. It feels like this is the same thing that happens every time. So you waste Jalen Deloach's 16 points. You waste Ace Baldwin 16 points, nine assists. Four steals. How about that? Nine assists for Ace Baldwin. That surprised me. He really was facilitating in the second half. He didn't take a field goal in the second half. And maybe you say that's bad because you, you don't want to see that. But largely, you look at the second half numbers, and despite the fact that he didn't take a field goal and that he fouls out, they still scored 40 in the second half. You know, they shot the ball well, 12 of 25 in the second half, three for six for three. And that's the other thing, too. More judicious from the three-point line, better three-point percentage. And I took 14 threes in this game. There were seven of 14. And, you know, Temple was seven of 19. So, again, you know, they, they, they were taking a lot of more threes, a lot more volume early in the season, and it looked like that would work out for them. Their three-point specialist has been struggling, struggling, admittedly. So they've been a little more judicious. Good. That is good. And that's something I'll give Mike Rhodes and I'll give the players credit for, that they're at least doing that. But it is tough when you go in these games and you dig yourself a hole because you, you won't use your timeouts properly. And, again, the same thing happened in the second half when they got away. He waited until it was too late to, to call another damn timeout. I think they got down 12 and finally calls a timeout. And it's just like, well, you did it again. And you left them with no chance again. By the way, excuse me, I was incorrect because I was looking at the wrong box score. Second half box score. They actually were 50% from the field in the second half. And from three. And that's with Ace Baldwin taking no shots. Four for four from the foul line. He had five assists. He only had two turnovers in the second half. So Ace was Ace, even though he fouled out, 
which again, I bet you that's going to be one of the only times in his career he does that. You know, Ace was terrific tonight. And again, I would much rather have him have a night like this than the night he had against Vanderbilt just because I think the offense is going to run better in the long run when that happens. You know, Ace, Ace did a lot of setting up for, you know, Jameer Watkins gets two fouls right away, barely plays in the first half, and got foul number three pretty quick too. And I thought, crud, he's, you know, actually, no, he didn't because they changed that to somebody else. And he had 14 in the second half, even though he had some some of the bad plays we talked about earlier uh, that, uh, that were tough on us. But, gosh, you know, we're now in the – we're now in, into the very light portion of this of this non-conference schedule that, by and large, unless some of these teams surprise us, is not going to add, add a lot to the resume with this homestand coming up. And we just we played two true road games in this in this this season, and by the end of the games, we and we've been well out of both games going to the last timeout, media timeout. You know, we were we were Memphis Memphis walked the dog on us. And we were out of that game at the last media timeout. And essentially, Temple did the same. And, of course, in the Memphis game, we actually played decent defense. It's just our offense was terrible. Today, our offense was pretty good, and we played horrible defense. And hopefully, this is the only time we give up 80-plus this year. Or if we give up 80-plus, it'll be only one more time like last year. But, man, second to the ball, not – not playing good team defense at all. Not playing good team offense at times. Oh, these are familiar refrains, and that's and again, you you understand why. And I I know people get mad when there are fans that come out and say, "Oh, they don't like the coach. They want him gone, and all this other stuff." But games like this is why or why? <coughs> because I'm telling you, it was it was a lot. There was a lot of questionable coaching in this game. From the handling of the timeouts, which is already talked about, and some of and some of my issues with the substitution patterns, but it's the fact that it's the same things over and over and over again. Well, we got to take care of the ball better. Well, then what are we doing about it in practice? And also, what are we doing on advanced scouting when you're in a situation where many times you're leaving the best shooter, just like the other night against Vanderbilt? They left. They left studio open a bunch of times and you're sitting there going you're kidding me right the guy was 50% going into the damn game from three and and Khalif Battles you know he's had he'd had I think two consecutive 20 plus point games and you should know that you certainly get tape you should know that there's no way in the world he should be wearing you out like that he had 15 in the second half and granted a lot of that was from the foul line and that's the thing. It's like, man, for the teams that play Temple this year, don't put their tails on the foul line because they will make you pay for it. 18-22 in the second half. That's why even though VCU played well offensively by the numbers and shot 50% and a 13 from the foul line, that's not bad. They couldn't get close after. They couldn't get close except for the middle of the game of the second half. And at the end, they just they they were pulled they, Temple pulled away from them. That's why. Make your dad gum free throws. That's what happens. Temple also only had four turnovers in the second half, which is another issue. You know, VCU points off turnovers, supposed to be their bag. Temple got beat them 13-6 to on that in the second half. 
I mean, that's basically why – that's another reason why Temple pulled away. And VCU was just basically, you know, basically didn't have a chance when they got to the last media timeout. Oh, geez, Louise. It's just – oh, it is ludicrous. Did not lead one time in this game. Had a couple of ties, did not lead one time in this game. So that's when you know you're well and truly beaten. That's when you know – you really don't have any excuse at all. The other team was the better team, plain and simple. And that's and that's the thing. Temple, Temple's got some bad losses, but they've gotten some great wins as well. And they've been kind of Jekyll and Hyde. Well, the good te- the good Temple showed up today. VCU could not handle it. Oh, so now we get to the portion of the, uh, the they we get to the portion that they absolutely can't afford a loss. This is now. Let's see here. I think it's a six. Is it a six or a seven game home? One, two, three. Six game homestand, which of course will include uh, the conference opener on New Year's Eve. So, got to do some winning now. Uh, Wednesday night is Jacksonville, who should be a, who could be a threat in that conference to win that conference. So that's the kind of game that may not look like much now, but might look like something later. Certainly need to win to win that. I'll be working Wednesday Wednesday, so hopefully if I can get done in time, I can I can run I can run home and watch the game and do a live video with you. So that that's the that's the hope and that's the plan for Wednesday against the Dolphins. And look, they're probably gonna go on a nice little winning streak here. You'd think with you know Seven of the next eight at home. That's the other thing. Seven of the next eight at home, which includes, you know, the LaSalle game and, or excuse me, six of the next seven at home, which includes two conference games. So it's, they, they've got to make hay here. And if they do, people are going to sit here and say, oh, look, you, you know, you were wrong and you were getting carried away. We'll see. I mean, they're going to have, they, we're going to see when they play the tougher teams in this league because the way they're playing right now, they look like a middle-of-the-pack A-10 team. That's what they look like. They look like a team that's going to finish 6th, 7th, 8th and be playing, you know, not in a pillow fight, but in like the the the, uh, the, the first the, – the play-in the, – the second play-in round, if you will, not the first play-in round. And that's not good enough. VCU should be better than that. And they don't look like the third best team in the A-10 right now. Because mm, I, I just, this performance, this performance, and, and again, coming on the heels of, of of that Vanderbilt win, which was which was a heck of a win, but it does make you wonder if it really came down to those dadgum technical fouls. And that if it wasn't for that, that they might have lost that too. Uh, it's hard not to think that when you see a performance like this today. So that's it. Wednesday, Jacksonville. We crossing my fingers and toes and busting my hump to try to get back home so we can so I can watch the game and we can have a live video and all that. Uh, if you're listening in podcast land, thank you for listening again. If you if you want to send us some money, uh, leave some in the tip jar. We'll shout you out for doing it, uh, and we really appreciate that. So thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully, see you Wednesday night. If not Thursday. Thursday morning with a new podcast, and hopefully VCU bounces back, beats Jacksonville, and we get the start of a nice long winning streak because they're going to need one. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, 
please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.